Well, we are continuing our series called Summer Sermons on the Mount. We're going through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount piece by piece, and it's been a good time doing it all summer. We've got, I think, two or three more after this left. Today we find ourselves in chapter 7 of Matthew's account of Jesus teaching us about how Christians should look. A little play on words there, how we should look or look at other people, look at ourselves. Here's what Jesus says. Don't judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't give dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Lots of stuff in there. Lots of stuff. When the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky sex scandal started making headlines, several members of Congress spoke out publicly against Bill Clinton, calling for his impeachment. One of those voices belonged to California Senator Gary Condon. I don't know if that name rings a bell or not, but it's ironic that he would condemn Clinton's behavior when he was allegedly involved in the same kind of misconduct. Some of you may remember the Jim Baker-Jessica Hahn scandal back in 1988. Jimmy Swaggart went on Nightline and said this, The gospel of Jesus Christ has never sunk to such a level. No nationally known preacher was as vocal in his condemnation of Jim Baker as was Jimmy Swaggart. It wasn't very long until Jimmy Swaggart was caught in his own sex scandal, not once but twice. It takes audacity to condemn someone for a sin that you yourself commit, yet amazingly throughout history, people have been prone to do it. Jesus condemned this kind of hypocrisy. So did the Apostle Paul. Here's something he wrote. If you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you steal from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say, the world blasphemes the name of God because of you. Ouch. Ouch. In Matthew 7, Jesus gives a similar stern warning about the hypocrisy of condemning other people. He begins with one of his most famous sayings, don't judge or you too will be judged. Not only is this one of his well-known sayings, it's also one of the most misunderstood. Some people think it means that Christians should not speak out against anything wrong or shouldn't take a stand for holiness. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. What he's saying is that when it comes to looking at the lives of others, we must proceed with caution. One of the 
biggest criticism those outside the church have against Christians, and I'm sure you will agree and have heard this, biggest criticisms that Christians are too judgmental. Don't you hear that? All the time. I've heard people say that Christians think they're above everyone else. I've heard people say that Christians are always telling other people that they're going to go to hell. I've heard them say that we're always trying to make people feel guilty. Well, I don't buy that, but it is true that in the 35 years I've followed Jesus Christ, I've met some pretty uh, smug, self-righteous Christians. But I got to tell you, they're in the the minority. They're in the minority. The vast majority of Christians I've known are merciful. They're forgiving. Sometimes when people accuse Christians of being judgmental, I think they're really expressing their own sense of guilt. Every time I coached a little league team, baseball team, I would not make a formal announcement that I was a pastor. I just never would bring it up. And it was usually about the middle of the season when somebody would ask the famous question, what do you do for a living, David? When everyone found out my true identity, you should have seen them squirm and say things like, oh man, I told that dirty joke in front of you, David, I'm sorry. I'd say, hey, don't worry about it. Remember, I coach baseball. I'm out here with these people. And besides that, I've been in the rock and roll business for half my life, you know. Some of your jokes were pretty clean compared to those. Fortunately, I was never sued for religious harassment. (laughs) People are very sensitive about this subject. They don't want to be judged. Who does? They don't want to be talked down to. And for this reason, we have to exercise extreme caution when dealing with others. In today's passage, Jesus is teaching us how to take a stand for holiness without being judgmental. And and it's to help people discover something that will help their life, maybe some truth. That's really the point of the passage, how to help others get the specks out of their eyes, how to help others improve in some area of their life. The question is, can we do it without being a busybody? Can we do it without being holier than thou? Well, yes, we can. And that's what today's message is about. In fact, this sermon could also be titled, The Difference Between Intervening and Interfering. There's a big difference. It's all in how we look at others and how we look at ourselves. When it comes to looking at other people's faults and dealing with them in a Christian way, Jesus teaches us four principles that we need to keep in mind. Four things. Here's the first one. If you're not on the jury, don't try to reach a verdict. You know what I mean by that? If it's not your judgment to make, don't make it. Don't make it. Now, there are some areas in our lives where we need to make certain judgments in order to make a right decision or come to the right conclusion. For example, whether or not we hire someone. I don't know how many of you were around when I was being interviewed for this job. Well, guess what you did to me? Judge the heck out of me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. You judged me 
What did he do? What, what's he like? What's he going to be like? You judged what I'd do in the future. You had to do that. You were on the jury. So you had to come up with a verdict of whether you should hire me or not. Hope you're not sorry you did. <laughs> we have to make judgments on whether or not we should marry a certain person. Whether or not we should allow our children to go to a friend's house to have a party or something like that. Whether or not to let someone borrow the car. Or whether or not we should give money to a certain charity. That's why Jesus said in another place, Stop judging by mere appearance, but instead judge correctly. See, he wasn't saying not to judge at all. He was saying judge correctly. There are, so to speak, certain juries we sit on. And it's our responsibility in those situations to make the right judgment. However, in Matthew 7, Jesus is talking about a different kind of judging. He's talking about making a judgment against someone when you're not even on that jury. In other words, making a judgment against someone when it's none of our business. From time to time, I'll hear someone say, I don't think so-and-so is really a Christian. I don't think they're really saved. That may be their opinion, but is that their call? Is it really? Maybe when you hear somebody say that, a good response would be, hey, be sure to let God know so he won't accidentally let them into heaven. (laughs) I was watching TV once with some other guys, and one of them had the, the... channel surfer and he was going through and he he came across his tv preacher and almost immediately he said look at this guy he's a phony you can tell by looking at him another guy said how can you tell just because he's got a loud tie the channel surfer waved off the question and said i bet he's in it for the money who knows if he's in it for the money or not but you wonder who put this guy in charge of making that call When Jesus said, don't judge or you'll be judged as well, he was talking about making judgments that are none of our business. The problem is that when we make these judgments, we often do so without knowing all the facts. Being a musician, I had vans. I probably had four vans in my life. Well, one time my Chevy van was in the repair shop, and my brother-in-law let me borrow his Mercedes, man. A whole day in a Mercedes. It was so cool. Well, one of my neighbors who attended another church noticed that the car in my driveway, and he said, boy, I bet you're really fleecing the flock if you can drive a nice car like that. When I told him the situation, I think he got a little embarrassed, especially since he had two nice Toyota pickup trucks and a beautiful boat in his driveway. This guy made a judgment without bothering to find out the facts. Another time I heard a woman mention that she and her husband had just celebrated their 10th wedding anniversary. And after that, she said something about her 12-year-old son, and a man said, wait a minute. You've been married for 10 years, and you've got a 12-year-old son? And she got a little huffy and said, yeah, you got a problem with that? (laughs) He said, well, you know, he was sanctimonious at this point. He says, I was just doing the math, just doing the math. She told the guy about adopting their son when he was six years old. And that's when his face got red and the apologies started. (laughs) Here's what I'm saying. Before we pass judgment on anyone, we should remind ourselves that we may not have all the facts. 
There just might be part of the story that we don't know. If we don't sit on that jury, we shouldn't try to come up with a verdict. Let God be the judge. Here's what Paul writes to the Romans. Why do you judge your brother? Why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. He's the ultimate judge. He's going to be the one to do it. We don't have to do it very often at all. When it comes to dealing with other people's faults, there's a second thing we should do to avoid self-righteous hypocrisy. That is, look at your own faults before you look at anyone else's. Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You ever had one of these in your eye? I have quite a number of times. That's why my eyes are so bloodshot all the time. (laughs) The problem is too often we have a tendency to consider someone's speck a plank and our own plank just a speck. That's not a speck. (laughs) And it's in my eye very often. I bet you have a couple in yours every now and then. I'm going to leave it up here so we won't forget that. I know a man, we'll call him Jim, whose children are beyond his control. But he's extremely organized. This is the kind of guy that dots every I, crosses every T. But his attitude tends to be, teenagers are teenagers. You can't stop that. But if you're disorganized, that's a sign that you don't have your life together. His brother, I'll call him Bob, is as disorganized as you can be. His house always looks like a tornado hit it, and he's never on time to anything. But he is an awesome dad. He's just got great kids. Jim is constantly criticizing Bob for not having his life together. He'll say, why don't you mow your yard, man? I'm embarrassed to be called your relative. The fact that that Jim's own son has been in rehab doesn't seem to bother him as much as the fact that his brother's house is messy. See, Bob has a speck in his eye. He's disorganized. Jim, however, has a two-by-four in his eye. He's an incompetent father, but he's more concerned with his brother's problems than he is with his own. That's exactly the kind of attitude Jesus is talking about. He's warning us, before we judge others or condemn others or criticize others, we need to look at ourselves. Let's fix our own lives first before we try fixing everyone else's. We should look closely at ourselves and ask, am I really in a position to criticize? I believe if we ask that question sincerely, nine times out of ten we'll discover we have a plank in our eye. We need to deal with that first. Okay, the third thing Jesus said to avoid self-righteous hypocrisy is this. Limit your advice to do as I do. You hypocrite, he says. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's okay 
to judge in some situations. Here we go. It's not that Jesus warns us to abandon the idea of helping someone to become better. It's that he wants us to do it with integrity. The person whose attitude is do as I say, not as I do, has no credibility with the person he or she is trying to help. This is why parents a lot of times have no influence over their children. When our children know that we call in sick to work when we're really not sick, when we tell the ticket clerk at the movie theater that our kid is 11 when they're really 13, when they witness us telling white lies to our spouse, these things add up. I know we all slip and do these kinds of things, but they add up if we continue to do them. And then we wonder why our children laughs at the idea that we, they shouldn't lie when they tell us where they're going when they leave the house. When we advise or correct someone, if the underlying theme is not do as I do, then we have no right to say a thing to them. If I keep my office cluttered and messy, then I lose credibility with the people I supervise when I tell them to keep their work area clean. If I don't control my tongue, I'm not in a position to correct them about not controlling theirs. You know, if I'm not on time, I shouldn't scold them when they're a little late. This makes leadership, parenting, any kind of leadership, those positions, it makes them hard because it calls us to greater accountability. James referred to this when he said, Not many of you should become teachers. You know that we who teach will be judged more severely. Now that word teacher, it's really used in in the frame of of, uh, pastors and elders and overseers, leaders like that. In my profession, I don't much like this verse. Can I be honest? (laughs) I don't like that verse. And here's why. I struggle, like everyone else, with the kind of stuff Jesus is talking about here. And it scares me to think that I have no credibility unless the underlying theme to my teaching is do as I do. That's why I constantly want to keep myself in check when I come up here. In fact, I'm very rarely preaching to you without preaching to myself as well. So you can keep praying for me, would you? (laughs) I'll pray for you too. Jesus concludes this passage with a statement that just cannot be ignored. It's a little on the weird side. Don't give dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. What did he mean? How does he relate this to the subject of judging? Well, he's saying... Don't waste your words on those who will not listen. It's a sad truth, but some people simply do not want that speck taken out of their eye. They don't want our advice on how to improve their lives. There's no point in trying to persuade them otherwise because they're not going to listen to anybody. Why should they listen to you? James Carville was on the show Politically Incorrect one night, and uh, he was loudly disagreeing with one of the other guests. 
When the other guests tried to say something, Carville refused to listen. In fact, he refused to stop talking. He, he just wouldn't listen. He just kept saying, yeah, 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 I'm not listening. I don't want to hear what you have to say. That's the way some people are. They refuse to listen to anyone's advice, anyone's opinion. Their lives could be a mess. Their marriage may be falling apart. Their kids could be rebellious. Their business could be going down the tubes. Habits may be ruining their their health. Their temper may be destroying their relationships. But they're not about to listen to anyone. They'd rather be wrong than confront the truth. Jesus is saying we have to use discernment and discretion when dealing with this kind of person. Some people don't like what they hear from us. Now, of course, many people like constructive criticisms. They gladly receive it. That's a good thing. Because when you do that, you're recognizing this advice as a pearl of wisdom. A pearl. When someone can show me how to improve my marriage, man, that's a pearl. When somebody can show me how to be a better father, wow, what a pearl. And when someone can show me how to be more like Jesus Christ, that's the mother of all pearls. These pearls create value in our lives. We should receive them gladly. But some people don't want pearls. They don't want truth. They don't want their lives better. They, they really, bottom line, they don't want Jesus meddling with their life. As John says, I love the word he picks here. This is the verdict. Light, that is Jesus, has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. People don't want to come out in the life if they want to, in, in the light if they want their life to remain the same. They just don't want to. They're not going to. That's not unusual. This is why we need to proceed with caution before we try to fix anyone's life. Some people just don't want to be fixed. That's just the way it is. So what's our conclusion here? Well, basically, here's what Jesus is telling us. Before you point out someone's faults, make sure you're ready and make sure they're ready. Otherwise, you're not intervening, you're interfering. How do we make sure that we're ready? Well, ask these questions. Am I on this jury? Is this really my business? If it's not, zip it. Number two, am I in a position to offer advice? If I'm supposed to do this, am I in a position to give any kind of correction? Have I examined my life? Did I get this thing out yet? Number three, am I telling this person to do as I do or just do as I say? If we're ready, then we may have the opportunity to help someone improve their life. That is, if we can also answer this question, are they ready to hear what we have to say? How do we know if they're ready? It will only take you about one sentence. (laughs) And you'll know they're not ready. They'll start squirming. 
They'll start shifting their eyes or they'll tell you to shut up. (laughs) That's how you'll know. This is what it all comes down to. When dealing with the question, how does a Christian look? We need to look at ourselves three times longer. Three times longer. Just because you're looking out there doesn't mean you've got it right. This is the way we avoid self-righteous hypocrisy. It's the difference between intervening and interfering. Your first concern is you. Then, when you look beyond yourself, proceed with caution. That's how it works. Let's pray together. Father God, we, uh, we really need help on this one. You know it. And uh, it, it's tough to not be judgmental. It's, not, it, it's tough to, to look at someone and, and know we have a plank in our eye and not want them to have a plank in theirs too. But God, we know through your Holy Spirit you can teach us these things. You can give us great wisdom to know when to speak, when not to speak. You can give us wisdom to know when someone's ready to hear what we have to say. But God, we just look to you to help us do the right thing. Most of all, to learn how to keep our mouth shut if we're not supposed to be on that jury. So as we learn this and as we feel your, your Holy Spirit, since your Holy Spirit teaching us, we will be quick to give you the thanks and praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand with us one more time, please.